Good afternoon and welcome. Actually, it's evening now, properly stated. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. Thank you so much for listening. There's a lot of loose ends lying around out there that I wanted to tie up and and point out uh, tonight. And tomorrow I've got an extremely early, for, for me certainly, uh, to go to work. I do enjoy my job at Walmart. Uh, I'd rather have consistent days and hours, but that's the uh, scourge of working part-time, isn't it? Anyway, um, I only have a month left to go before I'm off for the summer. Welcome. Thank you again for listening. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about, uh, if you haven't watched uh, Tucker Carlson's uh, interview with Elon Musk, it's uh, part two of it is going on right now. I'm going to watch it later, but part one was fascinating. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I wanted to point out, you know, we, we know about the, you know, if you remember the original Russian collusion delusion, which was all set up by the Clinton campaign in 2016, to make Rush appear to be uh, in the bed with Putin. Of course, all of that was BS, and we found out later that it was all you know, funded by the Clinton campaign. Well, let's fast forward to 2020. No, I'm not going to rehash the election. The election's what it was. Trump should not be running again, but he's is. He'll get the Republican nomination, and he'll lose to whichever Democrat is put forward. Having said that, if you remember, one of the things that was used, as, and we know this from the Twitter files, we can presume that it was also Facebook and every other social media platform, uh, regarding the Hunter Biden laptop. In fact, they went to great lengths to explain how the government especially essentially spoon-fed the narrative to Twitter that it was going to happen. You remember, of course, the government had the laptop. The government had been tapping Rudy Giuliani's phones, and so they knew that he had contacted the New York Post. And so they knew the story was coming, and so they prepped Twitter and presumably every other social media outlet that Russian disinformation was coming. So the story breaks in the New York Post. Twitter immediately freezes the New York Post account because they say it's hacked material, which of course it wasn't. All the other social media falls suit. Mainstream media goes silent on what in effect was something that should have disqualified Joe Biden from the presidency. No, not Hunter's drug issues or his sexual activities. I'm talking about the dealings with government-affiliated businesses with the Communist Chinese Party. I'm talking about his the corruption in Ukraine, Hunter Biden's uh, dealings there, which explains a lot regarding the Trump 
impeachment, the first impeachment, uh, etc. Then we had, of course, to seal the coffin on the Hunter Biden laptop was, you know, to keep it shut up. It was a letter from 51 former national security people. The letter in and of itself was couched to indicate that it had the hallmarks of Russian disinformation while not actually saying that it was. And this is very important because anybody that thinks they can go after after the people that wrote the letter is nuts because within the letter itself is the CYA phrase that we're not saying it is Russian disinformation. We're saying it has the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. But that was enough. That was enough. Joe Biden in uh, one of the debates flaunted that out there, except he didn't say that these 51 national security types, many of whom are already known perjurers, John Brennan and James Clapper, both are admitted perjurers, never tried, by the way, Joe Biden said the letter said that it was Russian disinformation, and none of those people stood up to contradict him. Well, guess what? The letter was paid for by the Joe Biden campaign. It was written in such a way that these people would not be held liable for libel. But yet, it could be used, especially with the mainstream media providing full cover. To justify the squelching of the story. Just like the Russian collusion delusion of the Hillary Clinton campaign, the Trump dossier, the letter signed by 51 national security types, including at least two admitted perjurers, was just nothing more than campaign propaganda put out by the Joe Biden campaign. These people know no bounds. As I'm watching, watch the lead in to Tucker tonight. Um, he reminded me very much of Atlas shrugged how the people, the mindless people of today are no different than, than the government 
in Atlas that they don't know how to build. All they know how to do is destroy. And they go feeding from from carcass to carcass, destroying the world one piece at a time. Where are the great builders? Well, Elon Musk, a progressive, you know, now is associated with the right. J.K. Rowling of Harry Potter fame and other things, but a billionaire because of it. Progressive is now considered a turf. All the left knows how to do is destroy and tear down. I think Ron DeSantis, uh, just to switch gears a little bit, made an unforced error when he signed, uh, advocated and signed for uh, a six-week abortion ban in Florida. I think right now that Republicans are underestimating the, uh, I don't want to call it the pro-choice movement, but, but with the pendulum having swung because of the Dobbs decision, everybody's jumping on this bandwagon to, to push it as far as they can. And frankly, that's a mistake, pragmatically speaking. Politically speaking, it's horrible. Um, I think that the 2022 midterms was successfully argued as as a refutation of, of the pro-life movement simply because the pro-life movement is moving so far towards these outright bans. Now... I'm not going to fault them, their principles, for doing that. They're absolutely right in, in standing for that. But you also have to remember, you live in a pluralistic society. And in this society, while you do have the overwhelming majority support restrictions on abortion, especially in the later part of the uh, pregnancy, they also support things like Plan B, uh, uh, various medications to end abortions, and even abortion within the first, say, 10 to 12 to 15 weeks. So let me ask you this. If you make an exception for rape and incest, which many people do in their pro-life stance, and I understand that, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is no different on that. Although they do say that abortion is wrong. But if you can do that, then what is stopping, you know, what's the difference between that kind of a compromise, because it is a compromise, and, and allowing, um, you know, certainly a, 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 pharma, a pharmacological abortion in the early weeks I'm not advocating that. 
but I'm also pointing out the political real reality. Because many of these Republicans are doing are feeding the fears that the Democrats are sitting there throwing gas on the fire, and Republicans are obliging them. It's the same issues with the transgender thing. I don't. I don't. I think that if you were to successfully argue, I think that you could successfully argue that children under the age of eighteen should not be given puberty blockers unless there's a medical need, meaning I feel like a woman or I feel like the opposite sex is not a medical need. That That a minor should not be able to go through with any of that whether it's hormones, whether it's puberty blockers, whether it's uh, surgery. For heaven's sake, we don't trust them to vote until they're 18, although the Democrats, of course, would like to change that. But I think it's rightly so, because, because here's the other kicker. The left is adamant that you can't own a gun before you're 21 years old. And if you're not responsible to, enough to own a gun until you're 21, then you're certainly not responsible enough to make a, a life-altering and irreversible decision. Especially when you have psychiatrists and psychologists that are not doing their due diligence. And search, searching out perhaps an, uh, an underlying cause for why somebody is feeling this way. You know, but Republicans, because they're having some good luck with some perfectly sensible. restrictions on what is called gender-affirming care, which other people might call genital mutilation, which they do, and it is. Or even jacking up somebody's uh, hormonal balance. Especially when you consider the fact that the vast majority of children that have these feelings, by the time they are through puberty and reaching their late teens, they've already, uh, or they feel like they are what they were born. Not all. But many. Chicago has uh, four Walmart stores closing, four of the eight. It's going to create an even uh, bigger uh, or more food deserts for the poor in the city. Why are they closing? The stores have never made money. They've never been profitable. 
and now the law is not protecting them. And so they're closing the store. You know, it saddens me here in my little Walmart and Pale where I go and work that so many things are in a locked cabinet. You know, it used to be the guns were in the locked cabinet. And even ammunition wasn't. Now, you, if you want to buy a set of 8 or $9 um, plug-in earphones, you got to go find somebody to unlock the cabinet to get them. We're becoming accustomed to law-breaking. And there's two ways to address that. One, you can, well start enforcing the law. That's what Rudy Giuliani did to such great success in the city of New York when he became mayor. Um, you know, not going, I mean, obviously you go after the big crimes, but by going after the little crimes, you put forward the uh, notion of law and order and people tend to go along with that. Crime plummeted under Giuliani, which of course corresponded with the completely irrelevant assault weapons ban. And I wanted to spend the last few minutes talking about that. I mean, that you know, talking about the fact that, that all these stores in these big cities are closing. Like, talk about what happened in Chicago. Yes, in Kansas City, yes. A white 80-plus-year-old man shot a black kid who came to his door at night. The elderly man's being charged, and he will no doubt probably have a plea, and, and that'll be it. We're not talking about the rampaging of youth in Chicago that are picking stores clean, that are breaking down and destroying things. They're destroying things of the past. Again, it's the same old thing. The people are destroying what builders did. People who have no concept of how to build anything don't want any record of anything having been built. This is right out of Atlas Shrugged, people. But again, I want to talk about, we've had a number of mass shootings this year. Not all of them were by transgenders, but many of them were, by the way. My question is this, you know, they say that we can't get anything done on gun control in the Congress because of the NRA. I would say also because of the other side as well. You've got people that won't talk to each other about guns, and it's a bad situation. But in reality, let me ask you, in, in all seriousness, I mean, without any contention, What are you going to do? Did you know that over the last couple of years, the largest buyers of firearms have been women and minorities?
Did you know that the NRA, one of the first things the NRA did was work to secure the gun rights of Southern blacks? Yes, the original civil rights organization, the NRA. But seriously, what are you going to do? You, you know, you've got person after person, Secretary Mayorkas, uh, Merrick Garland. You've got the even the head of the ATF, the freaking head of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, which by the tomorrow has a very, very uh, unfortunate anniversary being the 30th year of the time they burned down the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas. The government did that. A bunch of people that were minding their own business. Child Protective Services have been in to check on them numerous times. But they saw a target. And they went after it. And the ATF and the FBI torched, killed everybody inside. Good call. Seriously, what kind of legislation do you think would work? A gun ban won't work, okay? You, you can ban guns, and yes, some people will turn them in. Many people may even turn them in. Or let's say you just ban the sale of new ones or even new sales. So you're going to then go and register them? It's like Lauren Boebert said, a congresswoman from Colorado. I'm no fan of it, but she's absolutely right. You go and do anything that's going to require people to register firearms with a, a federal entity or even a state. Well, actually, many times there are state registrations, but more and more states are not. But you go and do something like that, there's going to be a lot of boating accidents. There's going to be a lot of police reports filed of stolen firearms. And quietly, many people will become felons. Now, they're only felons if they get caught, right? But people will go underground with their weapons, and sometimes literally. So how do you stop that from happening? I mean, for a gun ban where you're confiscating firearms, first of all, the amount of money required to buy such weapons is just astronomical. You know, there's some 300, probably 400 million guns in the United States, you know. And if you're going to do a buyback where you want it to be successful, you're going to have to be charging a market price or be willing to pay market price for it. So you're talking about billions of dollars. Or you could go and try to take them away. But you won't, and you can't. And all you're going to do is you're going to turn formerly law-abiding citizens into underground felons. So, let me ask you. 
what is a resolution to this? Vivek Ramaswamy is out there. Um, it seems like I can't help but mention it. Vivek2024.com, by the way. He's pointing out that, you know, no God destroying the nuclear family, destroying everything that America was built on. And you wonder why you have kids, and I say kids, mostly young adults, acting out the way they do. You have the shooter that shot up the church in Texas. The U.S. Air Force just settled a huge lawsuit because they had not turned over information to the background uh, or the insta-check system that would have disqualified this person from legally buying a firearm. You have the, the Margie Stoney Davis Parkland shooter who had people treated him seriously as either a criminal because he'd acted out before or at least as having some mental issues would never have been able to buy a firearm. But because we don't want to create a pathway to prison because he was a minority, we didn't. I mean, seriously, at, at the Parkland shooting, every, everything that the federal government or the state government, local government, by the way, all of them, should have done, that they tell us that they will do to protect us if we don't have weapons. They failed. The Uvalde shooting was the same way. Cops held back precious moments that could have spared several lives. These are the people that you count on to protect you when you turn in your firearms. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. Population that surrendered their firearms to the Nazis. How'd that turn out? In reality, that's all you need to know. So let me ask you this. Put all the hyperbole away. Seriously. I would love for someone to comment to me. On some sort of a solution. To the gun issue. It doesn't lie with the guns, by the way. But, please, let me know. Tell me how we can manage your rights, which, by the way, are not granted by government, but by God. With the protection of society. My life matters. Does yours? It's the Snake River Lib.